This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm really into rainbows and hot pink lately. I'm officially an international certified coach. And if I don't drink enough water, I feel hungover. Hi, I'm Janelle. Someone told me I have a California accent. I purchased my new favorite jacket for $4 at a thrift store. And I keep pulling the I am free card. Hi, I'm Luann. I am a Christmas freak. I binge on Hallmark movies. And I love the Boundary Waters Canoe area of Minnesota. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective podcast. Okay, awesome. I, so I'm living with my parents, right? Well, I'm, I think I'm going to be living with my parents all year. Um, and so I was here over the holidays, and they love Hallmark movies. So I, literally, I think I've watched all of them. I just watched the, I thought, it's like something about ice. It's with the ball, ballet and ice hockey player. Did you see oh, that yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs> my mom's like, I've been saving it for you. You have to watch it. So we watched <laughs> it the other night. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's just, I want to hate it, but it's like, I know what they're doing. I get the formula, but I, I, it's just like really honestly, like pretty easy to just watch and take in and it's painless, but what do you like about it? Cause it's new for me. I think I'm having an aha moment as you describe that, because I think it's about wanting that feeling of love. Now that might be a little deep for Hallmark, but I really think that's true. Like we all want to be in love, feel that feeling of love. And so it's um, peaceful and joyful to watch them, even though you know the whole outcome. <laughs> totally. Like you, said, you called it a formula, but it's the same formula in everyone, whether it's a Christmas one or a Valentine's one. <laughs> it's so funny too, because um, we started to note on the, on the clock, we'd be like, okay, it's at the, you know, 56, which means they're about to make out and then the camera's going to (laughs) cut. It's like they finally kiss and then it's like, and scene. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I have an appreciation for it because we've, it's, it's been on a lot in the house and I'm like Janelle said, I'm 38 and I, my tastes are very different now than when I was younger and we're all kind of like getting to know each other um, as adults and so that's been like a nice neutral thing to put on the TV that doesn't like create too much tension. Um, right. So it's been nice. Right. Anyway. All right. So you want another fun, fun correlation or fun fact? Yeah. So do, yeah. You, do you have the image of the Christmas, uh, the Hallmark Christmas movie, um, old pickup truck with the Christmas tree in the back? You got that image? I I did that in my front yard this year. <gasps> I don't have an old truck quite as old as that one and it's not red it's black and it's ugly and it's my husband's and I'm like <laughs> if I have to put up with this black truck we're gonna decorate it and I put, That's it, in amazing. I put it in the front yard and as I left for Arizona because of course I live in Minnesota as I left for Arizona I took the real Christmas tree out of my house and I put it in the back of the truck and that's what my neighbors are all looking at now it also acts as a wind block so that the the snow doesn't blow into the driveway. That oh was my, my theory. Anyway. <laughs> my husband's like, 
we're going to look like white trash. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I want to do this. And I know it will protect the driveway from snow when I have to go back home and snow blow the driveway. So I'm going to do it. I just love it. I should send I you all a picture. That. You can attach it with the podcast. I <laughs> love that. That's amazing. I love that because I'm like really working on not having to, sorry, I'm going to like go deep. It's like 6 a.m. <laughs> for me, but I'm like, okay, we're going there. I'm really working hard not to be in the extremes of things. And so I just love that invitation of like, okay, my husband has this ugly truck, but what can I do to like make it feel like I'm choosing it for myself? And so I just, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to remember, the visual is going to be like a good reminder when I'm in the emotion of it and like, no, no. <laughs> my way. <laughs> I, I was going to say you're because last time we talked to you, you were sitting in front of your Christmas tree and it was a beautiful tree. So I feel like I need the picture of it outside now too. <laughs> Holy, uh, I have to send you that. Janelle, what's, it, what it. makes something a California accent? That is a great question. So that's why I thought it was so fascinating because last night um, I'm in Denver right now and <clears throat> I ended up just like talking to some random people and they were like, yeah, you have a California accent, which I was like, me? Because in California, everyone's like, are you Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> and so, because they think I have a Midwestern accent and I've, no one's ever told me I have a California accent before. So I was like, yeah, like, tell me, tell me more about what makes you think I have a California accent. And they said that like you stretch out the vowel or yeah, the vowels makes the California accent, which I don't know if that's true. I think that just makes me, I don't know, like a 20 something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think it, but I feel like the guy described it as like in the middle of the word, it's like you shift. (laughs) That's what he said. Apparently in a California accent in the middle of the word, there's some sort of shift like you're driving a manual car in the vowel. Huh. That's a very strange so I explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was high. <laughs> I so my brother. Yeah, my brother is on his way. Here. Yeah, my brother is going to be coming today. It was my birthday yesterday, so my brother and happy his birthday. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to ask him because he's lived in California since he was. 16. So I'm going to pay attention to the truck in the middle of his words, the shifting truck in the middle of his words. See if you can pick it up because yeah, I'm not, I don't know if it's a thing. I haven't really noticed it. I do know that I say like a lot more since I moved to California, but also not just specifically a California thing, but I've, I've I was, t- I, I was telling, um, well, I was telling our audience, like who, who, whoever chooses to listen to this, I've said before on the podcast that I've moved so many times since I turned 30. So I was in Minnesota for like pr- pretty much all my 20s once I graduated from college. Um, and I bought a house because I thought that's what you did after college. <laughs> and then the housing bubble burst and I somehow made it through that unscathed because I had one of those crazy loans. And I ended up being there a lot longer than I thought. But then I got a job in Canada at 30. And ever since then, it's like every few years I've moved. And so I've gotten really good at just like up, move, up, move, up, move, up, move. And it is one of the things I've been reflecting on too. Like, how do I keep that? Because there is a, 
I don't know, it keeps me alert and it keeps me curious and challenging my perspectives. Uh, but I do, I have started to kind of miss that, um, the depth in any one place that I am. So I, I feel you on the establishing roots, Janelle. Do you, um, in being a little nomadic, feel like you have uh, friends all over the world? Oh, yeah. Or do you feel like you have no deep friends because you're not in one place very long? What's, what side of the coin does that come on? Yeah, I, I, I'll, for me, I both. Um, and it kind of depends, like over the course of the time that I've been allowing myself to just kind of move with the wind, I'll say, um, there have been times where I question like the depth of friendships because I'm not there. So it takes a lot more effort. And so then I'll be like, oh, was I just thinking that we were close? And like, I haven't talked to that person for a while. And um, I don't know, I guess you just, what I've learned is everybody's so different. And so before, when I first started this lifestyle, which is so funny, because I don't know if I like actually chose it. I think it just was happening and I was rolling with it. But I, I think I looked at like, this person is acting this way. And so therefore it must mean all of these things. And so they're just one of those type of people. And now I'm realizing there's just so many nuances. So like we're one person, it might take a while for me to get to know them. And then the depth is there over the course of time. And it doesn't matter how many times we talk another person, it might take me a time to go there and we don't talk over the course of the time. And then when we do it's surface level, but it still works. So I, I don't know. It's like, I have got the gamut and I'm not trying to put people in boxes anymore. I'm just kind of like, oh, you're this type of friend for me. And that's so cool. <laughs> and you're not that type of person. And that's cool too. So both. Yeah, I would, mine's a little bit different just from between me moving. And then I think a lot of my friends have also moved around as well. So I definitely would say I have very close friends that for the most part, I do a decent job of staying in contact with like all over. But when I see them, and I think because I'm so nomadic too, and specifically for the last seven months, I've been moving around and driving in my car and staying in people's guest rooms and, and whatnot. I'm that friend. Um, it, it's been really cool just to see like how easily things like people, you just like pick it right back up with them. And even if I don't talk to them every single week, um, like I have two friends that used to live in California with me, they moved to Salt Lake and I stayed with them for almost a month and just like how cool that was. Like, and so easy and to be able to like be in their life and in their little bubble and like their little roommate for a month and be a part of their dynamic and cook dinner with them. Um, so I, I feel like it's been a depth, um, but it, it's not like a, a daily depth. Like it might be if you live in a community, but it's something like I make a point to try to be in contact with these people maybe every other week or once a month. Um, and like Rachel said, just being really intentional. Um, but the depth actually to my surprise has mostly stayed. I mean, not in every single relationship, but really even some of my friends from Wisconsin, when I go back and I see them, it's like, I feel like nothing, I mean, everything has changed, right. But nothing has changed in the friendship and we can just jump right back in where, where we left off. And it, I, I just, I'm so grateful. Like I just had that conversation with 
someone in Milwaukee. We went and got brunch and we were at Sweet Diner, Rachel, in Milwaukee um, for like three and a half hours. <laughs> we basically shut the place down and, um, you know, I see her maybe once or twice a year, but every time it, it just like, it feels really good to know that you have people all over the United States that have your back and, you know, that love you and those relationships don't necessarily fade away. And beyond. I feel like they do. I feel like beyond too has been cool to just like have friends internationally too, like these conversations that we have here and some of the other experiences that we've both been in, like to know that like I have a friend in Vietnam, I have a friend in France, I have a friend in Europe, like when things open back up and I have so many friends that I've never actually met. (laughs) And it's like that I feel this really deep connection to and talked about really really real raw life things and when I get to actually meet somebody in person it's like oh my gosh you're in the flesh it's like whoa think, Luan, of, how many, think of how many of us are going to have that feeling after totally, this experience totally. of being on zoom with everything that we do yeah. and continue and it's been easier to meet people all over the world right I mean you're a younger generation you do a lot of that on social media right I wasn't big on social media. I'm not an expert at that by far, but, but, you know, so you were probably doing that more. Mine comes from being connected to an international organization called BNI, Business Network International. And so that's how I've met people all over the world. And we used to get together for conferences face-to-face and get to see each other, you know, but I was thinking too, as both of you were talking, it's, it's kind of how you def- define friendship, you know? And uh, a friend of mine once said to me a few years back, she said, oh, I, I don't know that I could go on. a I don't know that I have seven friends that I would go spend a week in a cabin with. Like, I don't have people that close to me. And I was like, what? Like, what? You know, people all over the world. And it was a different definition of friendship, a different uh, level of intimacy that she felt she needed to have before she would spend a week in a cabin with them. Um, since we've had lots of conversations and we've shifted that for her. But yeah, I meet somebody online or in a Zoom room like this, and they're my friend immediately, you know? <laughs> and kind of like you said, Rachel, you know, everyone's different. So they might not look at it that way, but I do. <laughs> so I have friends all over the world. And I do believe, like you said, Nice to know people have your back. That based on the philosophy of our organization, which is givers gain, if you give of yourself to help other people be successful, you will naturally gain in return. We all live in the same core values and philosophy that I could call any of them up if I was in need and go, help me, and they would be there for me. That is like been one of the coolest things for me, I think, from COVID. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I like, I ended up getting laid off from my job. And like I said, I've been traveling around and I have historically kind of had a similar mindset of like, what is the definition of friend? And I felt like I didn't have a lot of friends that I didn't have a lot of people that had my back, but realizing it, it wasn't that it was that I was not allowing people into my life because I felt, you know, there was some sort of shield there. And I felt like if um, someone did something nice for me. It's like, oh shoot, I owe them. I have to get it back. Like I did not have a very healthy view on friendship. Um, and so just, I mean, this entire process of how many people in my life have just like stepped up and come out of the woodworks and be like, yeah, 
hell yeah, you can stay in my house for again a month or ten days, and like maybe like no, here's more rent money, and they're like no, you don't, you're just like to know that people have your back like that. I mean, is such an incredible feeling, and I'm like when as I'm looking to my future state, I'm like I also need a place with a guest bedroom at some point in my future because I would love to be able to open that up to any um, like numerous people. I mean, so many people in my life have let me stay at their house like in the past seven or eight months. Um, so yes, I would love to be able to give that back to them, but it's been, I mean, really just amazing. Like when I actually allowed myself to let people show up for me and to be okay with receiving um, because I really wasn't before how, how cared for, uh, I feel Rachel did a meditation in one of our workshops two nights ago now. And part of it, um, you had asked us to like, see, I think like it was the community and see who shows up in the community. And I like, I started crying because I had all these friends and all these people in my life from all over the world that showed up and were like cheering me on and, you know, being there for me. And if you would have asked me four or five years ago, like I would have told you I have no friends. Like when people would talk about, and not no friends, but like when people will talk about, um, you know, who do you want to be in your like wedding party? You know, cause that's like everyone's question, right? Which we could get into the nuances of, of that, but you know, like who are your people that are going to stand up next to you when you get married? And for a really long time, it's like, I didn't really feel like I had that many people that I could say would do that for me. Um, and now I feel like I'm, you know, have a whole crew. Um, so yeah, I mean, it makes me want to cry even now, like how grateful I am to have that. So I'd like to hit on a point that you mentioned, and that is when I opened to receive, we are terrible receivers. We are terrible receivers and we all need to, and I try and shift it around in that when you allow someone to give you a gift like that, right? That makes them feel good, you know? And I really, so I'm almost 60, mom's 91 this month. And as mom got closer to her nineties, you know, she needed more help, but she was very much, I don't want people to have to come pick me up to go grocery shopping. I don't want them to have to chase after me. And I'm like, mom, people feel it's a gift to be able to give to you, right? It's a gift to them. Think of it that way makes them feel good to be able to serve and help you. And that's been a lesson for me. So, and I'm getting deep here, but right. Oftentimes I'm teaching someone else and I go, oh, that one was for me. <laughs> like the words that come out of my mouth are really telling me what I need to learn as much as they're telling anyone. I, I can totally relate to that. Like as a coach, I've been coaching now for I think four years. So I'm still a little baby at it, but it is true. It's like one of the things that have helped me grow the most is holding space for other people. And like that wisdom, I'll be like, Ooh, yep. Noted. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) I'll literally do that when I'm teaching a workshop, I'll literally go to the audience. I'll go, Oh, you know what? That one was for me. Yeah. (laughs) Get something out of that. That one was for me. That's awesome. Everything's a mirror, right? Isn't that what they say? We're all just yes. playing in a playground and everything's a mirror. Okay, so this has been, I'm, I feel like we're into the conversation and we haven't even introduced you, but it's been so good. So I'm going to pause really quick. 
actually introduce you so people know who our third voice is uh, and then we can continue. Before we introduce Lou Ann, we want to invite you all to The Collective. If you haven't heard about The Collective yet, it is our monthly community event and it's free where we get together and we chat about different facets of authenticity. This is truly a community event where you get to connect with other fellow travelers that are also just trying to figure out what it looks like to live an authentic life. We love these sessions. They're super fun to be able to connect with you all. And for March, we are going to be talking about the contrast and what it looks like to live your messy, true north. We all know it's not a linear process and it can get a little bit messy, hairy, uncomfortable, but you are not alone in that. And the collective is a great space to realize it. We'll put a link in the show notes where you can sign up and join us. All right, let's jump back in. Um, so we have Lou Ann Beekler, CMP, passionate business owner, author, and transformational speaker. And I will say from the moment you and I jumped on Zoom to do a prep call for this, just your energy, you're so warm and welcoming and kind. And I, I immediately we jump on it. I'm smiling and you, you come up with this almost like safe feeling. I don't know if Rachel, you're picking up on that, but like the second you enter a room, I feel like I'm in a safe container where I can show up as myself and be honest. And there's just like a very nice um, grounding in how you show up. So I've been really appreciative of that and just our few short conversations. Um, you're also a certified facilitator of the passion. You are a part of the business network international that you had mentioned, which focuses um, and you focus on presentations on networking skills and relationship marketing, which as a marketer, I'm curious about. Um, And then you're also a part of the Transformational Leadership Council working team and have done many, many, many presentations and workshops and retreats, which we can get into um, helping people find their passion and, you know, saving themselves time and energy and money to really, I'll use our words, but find their true north and figure out like, why are we, why are we here? And what are we doing with our time here? So welcome to the podcast, Luann. Thanks. It's great to be here. And thank you for all those kind words. Uh, I'm glad that I make people feel safe. That's something important in this world right now more than ever. So thank you for that. It really is. I just have to I, like, truly I, at six o'clock, I woke up, I, it was my birthday. So I ate so much ice cream cake last night that I was like, I do not feel good. I don't drink. So like, I was like, did I, did someone slip me something in my water last night? Like what's happening? And then sitting down here, like, it's true. I just, the way, I don't know what it is about, but I feel like you want to actually hear what I have to say. And, um, it makes me, I don't know. I feel seen and heard. So just wanted to add that in. That's awesome. awesome. (laughs) And that is one of the things we need as human beings and what we're starving for is to be seen and heard. Yeah. To really be seen for the person we are. Yes. So when you say those things, Janelle, that you've already seen that in the short time that you've known me, that just goes right to my heart, right? And fills me with joy that I'm living who I want to be. So thank you for that. Of course. Thank you. It, um, Yes, to your point, a lot of us, we 
speak to be heard <laughs> and we don't listen. And I've been guilty of that plenty of times in my life. But um, I feel like once you start to get that shift or like once you start to be around people that can hold space and can listen, um, it, I mean, it changes, it changes your life. It allowed, like it, it's allowed me to really step in to who I am because I think people care because again, if we go back to like our conversation that I was having before about friends, it's like, I wouldn't really open up because I'm like, Oh, these people, I'm not going to share about myself. If no one really cares to listen, like I don't need to expend that energy if it's just going to like hit a wall and fall down. Um, and when I started to really hang around people that held that space for me, that's when I was definitely able to be more vulnerable and like step into actually who I am and show myself to the world. And it's made all the difference. That's the whole hanging out with like-minded people, right? Yes. I think the same way you do. There's uh, well, what we say in the passion test is only 20% of Americans are living with passion. The other 80% are going through the motions of life. And what that other 80% is doing is putting on a, proverbial mask, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, masking who they really are to show up as something they think they're supposed to be in the world and think they're supposed to show up as instead of who they really are inside. And that's that's sad. That's sad to me that people are living that way, right? And it's more robotic and less really living in joy and fulfillment of what their life is really meant to be. Yeah. Luann, is that, I know we, we're going to introduce you, but it's just very easy to keep flowing with you. <laughs> um, is that 20% of passionate people living passionately in the U.S.? Do you know how that compares to other countries and the rest of the world? It's worse. Really? No way. I would have not guessed that at all. Yep. So um, the philosophy of the passion test, which I teach, um, has gone gangbusters in the Middle East, uh, Asia, Asian countries, um, they're starving for the information. And, and, and think of um, their culture, right? And here we sit as women and we have so much freedoms that women don't have in other countries, right? We got our issues. There's no doubt about it, what's going on in our country. We got our issues but it is worse in other cultures often as well. And so the whole world is opening up in my mind. I don't look at this as a negative situation. This is a situation of awakening, of awakening us to who we really are as human beings and to be there for each other. And it, I, I take it back, if you look at, um, any tragedy that's happened in uh, the world, Katrina, right? Hurricane Katrina, tornadoes in the uh, middle of our country. But what happens when a catastrophe like that happens? Everyone comes together. They forget about race, they forget about gender, they forget about everything and they just come together. Well, this is a huge worldwide crisis for us all to come back together. And, you know, they talked about the big shift of um, the winter solstice and we're moving into the age of Aquarius and I don't even understand it all, but I love it. (laughs) I wanna go there and I wanna see this change and it's gonna take years for this shift to happen, but I wanna be a part of the conversation and and be in there. So 
some years ago, my sister and uh, a great deal of her family uh, and our cousins lived in the Washington DC area. And in this last four years have been really, you know, of course, politically focused. And I go, you know what guys, you worry about that because I'm going to just worry about being in joy. Okay, I'm just going to be in joy so I can vibrate joy into the world because we need it. And you're sitting in that mess and I don't want to be there. <laughs> I don't want to be there. So that my choice is joy. And you're doing it. I love, <laughs> like, I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we ask a question and you've highlighted a little bit of maybe your answer already, but you can go more in depth. What does it look like to be Luann today in like the truest form? And it sounds like joy is a part of it. Is there, is there more to that for you? Um, I want to be in loving service to other people. And when I see other people um, like a light bulb go off because of something I've shared with them or a shift in their life or, you know, um, any, any way that they're learning or gaining from something I can share with them, that's awesome. That's what brings me joy, to see other people um, have that shift, which is why I do the work that I do, right? And just want to do it more. <laughs> and then the other thing, I don't know if you ladies know this part about me, right? And um, I got to grab something here. So I'm the I hug lady. Can you see that? Oh, cute. So I got that button from a friend of mine like six years ago and I wore it everywhere because I am a hugger and I was warning people, I'm going to hug you unless you stop me, right? That I mean, Because people used to, in, historically, you know, they would be taken aback. And so I felt, okay, I'll, I'll put a little warning sign on, right? That this is who I am so that they know. Well, then I, it became a part of my clothing. And I would even forget that I was wearing it. And people would come up to me and they would say, I need a hug. Oh, okay, sure. Walk across um, hotel lobbies and come to me because of that, right? Um, <clears throat> oh, you, you're going to love this story. <laughs> then on an airplane one time, I fall asleep on airplanes. I can talk to anybody anywhere, but for some reason not on airplanes. I don't know. must be because I have to crank my neck. I don't know. <laughs> so I sleep on airplanes and so I slept the whole trip you know with my arms crossed just like this and I was on the very back of the plane so I'm like no hurry let everybody else get off whatever you know and I'm walking off the airplane I think I'm the only one left in and the flight attendant looks at me and she goes I hugged too I hadn't even spoken to her the whole trip and I'm like you need a hug sweetheart and she's like I do I put my suitcase on, I gave her a big hug, you know? <laughs> oh my God, I'm obsessed. I'm like, <laughs> it's I... Become, it's become such a part of my energy. Check this out. I'm going to the Walgreens pharmacy to pick up my pharmaceuticals, right? My uh, prescriptions. And uh, the pharmacy guy says, he goes, well, I'd give you a hug, but I'm behind this counter and I can't come out. And I looked down for my button and it wasn't there. <sighs> It wasn't there. He didn't even know. Like I was giving off the vibration energetically of hugs that made him make that comment. And he's like, and I asked him, I'm like, why did you make that comment? He goes, I, I don't even know. I'm not really a hugger. 
so funny. I love that. So I, cool. The universal energy and vibration. Yeah. Right? I didn't realize how much of a physical touch person that I am. Um, I'm sure COVID has like helped me realize that amongst other things that have changed in my life. But um, yeah, I, oh my gosh, when we lived in Mo- uh, Milwaukee, there was a street, we used to, there used to be like events on the streets, like festivals all the time there. And the organization that I was working with, <clears throat> it was a coaching organization, <clears throat> excuse me, a coaching organization. And we were trying to think of like, how can we as coaches show up in the space and like what feels true? Like we can, you know, have the little table with information and everything. And I was like, well, what we're doing. So the mission's mission of that group was disrupting the world um, with love and personal responsibility. And I was like, I was like, what if we walked around with um, free hug shirts? And then everybody was like, I was like, I want to do that. I just want to like hug people and like, let them know, like, you are loved. You are loved just as you are, no matter what's happening today, you are loved. I see you. And, um, it was like, we were going through, I was like making t-shirts, all this stuff. And then at a certain point, um, my, somebody was like, not everyone wanted to do that. I really wanted to do it. And so then they're like, well, is it going to be safe for you to do that? So we, we ended up not, um, doing it, but I've often thought about that. So you're giving me like permission. So you, ihugmovement.com. Okay. I have a website. Oh I have a God. book. <laughs> We're straying from our other topic, but anyway, ihugmovement.com. Um, I want people to sign up on there to be ihug volunteers. This is a grassroots, just mm-hmm. let's hug the world kind of conversation. Before the pandemic hit, I had started on a mission that I hug across America in 2020 and spread love and human connection in the face of our polarization. I am in. Oh my God, I love this. And it hit me that in order to help the movement really take foot, you know, uh, make a massive impact, that where I really needed to be was at political rallies and things like that. Now, I am the most non-political person you know. And so my political friends are going, what? Where are you doing? What? Why are you going there? I'm like, because that's where they need it the most. That's where the media will be. That's where we can spread this message. And as I'm telling my friend in the fall of 2019 that I'm gonna go do this, she's like threw down the gauntlet. She's like, really? Someone's gonna hurt you. I'm like, who would hurt me? I'm 4'11", blonde, little, no harmless. Who would hurt me, you know? And she's like, I dare you. I dare you to go to the Trump rally in Minneapolis and hug people. And I'm like, Challenge accepted. <laughs> so I put on my free hug sweatshirt and I had my little high hug buttons and I, I tried to rally a group of people. And this is so funny. You love this, ladies. All these people said, oh, this is so great. Oh, we love what you're doing. I'm like, come with me. They're like, oh, no, no. <laughs> I couldn't possibly do that, right? One of my friends even said, I'll be your bodyguard. Bodyguard? What do I need a bodyguard for? Okay, but she came along. I had four people that joined me, two from my BNI organization, and they were not about to hug anybody else. They really felt like they were bodyguards. And my two beautiful children showed up to back me up on this. 
which they weren't going to hug anybody either. But my son has a big mouth and talks like me. So he was like hawking the crowd, free hugs here, free hugs here. <laughs> and I had little signs made up. And like they have those signs in political rallies of their party and their, their candidate. Well, mine said free hugs. Now, the city of Minneapolis did an amazing job. The city of Minneapolis split the two parties. And one was in the front of the uh, Target Center. And one was going through the Skyway system. So all the Trump supporters were in another place. And I'm like, I didn't know what's going on. I'm like, why are those people all going over there? Because the front door's over here. <laughs> they said, well, that's where all the Trump supporters are going. So I went over there. And I'm hugging all these Trump supporters. And they know what they said to me? We love this. This is so great. This is what we need right now. Thank you for being here. Oh, my gosh. This is so awesome. And then one guy whispered in my ear and he said, you got to go to those other people. They're the ones who are angry. They're the ones who need hugs. And I'm like, what other people? They're like, on the other side of the building. Well, come to find out, on the other side of the building are all these protesters. Now, this was last October, November, or 2019. So it was before COVID. People were wearing masks and they were spouting profanities and they were being ugly and blowing whistles and yeah, they were not nice. And I hugged them too. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is what we need. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. One lady's like, can I have a sign too? Yes, absolutely. You know, and it's the truth of what I know is that we all want that same thing, that love, that hug, that human connection. And so stop the infighting. And so there's my I hug story. So of course, with the pandemic, I stopped my, my journey, right? It wasn't healthy for me to continue that. And uh, one day it will be back because we need it. Because the lack of hugs, the struggle is real. Energetically, physically, in my book, I talk about the physical impact of the human hug. Um, scientific facts of what it can do for you. Your Don't they... spirits. Don't they say that a seven, isn't like a seven second hug actually changes the, I don't know, the state of your body? Yeah, it releases, um, I gotta I always get the, the, the hormone mix up. Oxytocin, I think is the right one. Or the dopamine or something. Right, right. It releases those um, happy energies in your body. Those happy, happy hormones in your body. It releases them, right? And we do, we totally need them. And it totally shifts people. Try it. Here, try this. Somebody's trying to be mad at you, give them a hug. They can't be mad at you anymore. That's true. I did actually try that the other day and they stayed mad at me, but it did make them, <laughs> it did open them up a little bit. Um, but I have a friend who actually one of the ones I stayed with in Salt Lake and he is the best hugger. And I like I, that is one of the, I mean, he has many, many, many great qualities, but that is like always rises to the top to me because I used to be very like non-physical touch again. And that was just me not opening myself up, but he would give me a hug and it's just, like, I felt so supported and so cared for. And just like this, it meant everything to me. And I'm like, people don't hug you like that. It was also the the contrast of like, I don't experience physical touch like this 
at all, hardly. And I was like in a partnership too. And I was just like, Nick, hug me. And he would just hold me for like 10 seconds. And it, I mean, it just changed everything. It was so beautiful. Totally game changer. And it's um, funny because it, people say that they're not, people will say that they're not huggers. And then I tell them, like this lady at one of the rallies I went to in early 2020, um, she's like, I'm not a hugger. This is how she came up to me. I'm not a hugger, so don't hug me. What are you Hand doing, button. lady? Yeah, she's like, what are you doing, lady? And I told her, like, I'm just spreading love and human connection in the face of our political polarization, you know? Just passing out hugs. It's just that simple. And she's like, oh, that's so sweet. And she gave me a big hug. <laughs> love. I know. Love that. Um, off in the world a little bit here. We really do. I, I would love, so I love this conversation and I'm going to shift a little bit because you had mentioned when we first talked that you, you do the passion test and then you do, is it retreats, workshops? I apologize if I'm not using the right word, but you take people to Northern Minnesota, right? In the woods and do these workshops. Can we talk a little bit more about what that work is and like what you've learned from it? Yeah, so the passion test is the foundation of all my work as a coach, Rachel. And everything I do, you will see the passion test uh, in some way. So I can deliver it in one-to-one coaching. I can deliver it in workshops, which I do in my little town and have done online via Zoom as well. I incorporate it into my retreats. So it's all of the above that you said, Janelle. Incorporate it into my retreats. And we do what we call transformational treks into the Boundary Waters Canoe Area of Northern Minnesota. Now, this came about because I took my sister through the passion test. And in her top five passions, she wanted to take women on adventure trips. And I went, I want to go with you. We grew up going to the Boundary Waters. Our dad took us into the Boundary Waters on a regular basis. And she has always maintained that connection to the wilderness. Well, I went to hotel school and traded my tent in for a hotel room for about 15 years. Then my father-in-law passed away and he wanted his ashes buried in the Boundary Waters. And I went back to the Boundary Waters with my husband and his brother and sister. And I went, oh my God, where have I been? Why have I stopped doing this? It's so spiritual. It's so quiet. It's so quiet that some of the women we've taken in there are like, it's scary because there's no sound. <laughs> like, wow. You know, and so we go every year into the boundary waters and I take the women in, we'll be sitting on a rock in a campsite and I'll take them through the passion test process to help them identify their top five passions and set a course to living that in their life, which is the ultimate true North adventure. <laughs> right? In my favorite place. I'm signing up. <laughs> Good. I hope you both will. It's a blast. Um, and so, uh, and the passion test piece of it uh, is is helping you to identify that inner self, right? It's diving into that inner emotion. It's that journey. We call it joy. The acronym for our trip is joy, a journey of you. It's a journey into you. And I think all of life is, and I am a perpetual student in that journey and always will be, you know, but let me compare it to something else that uh, your audience may know better. 
are you ladies familiar with a tool called the Strength Finder? Excellent, right? I think it's um, generationally <laughs> that that you you would know that. So the Strength Finder is a test, right? That you go online and you take a test, and it identifies your top five strengths, skills, talents, characteristics that you carry, right? Well, the passion test helps you identify your top five passions, but it's not a test. They regret the day they called it a test. It's a process that I facilitate people through to help them dive deep into their heart and identify their top five passions. So I call the strength finder, the scientific methodology at getting at who you are and the passion test, the heart and soul methodology at getting at who you are. And ladies, if you put those two pieces together, it's a powerhouse of knowledge of just who God designed you to be. And I tell people, go be that. When you're living truly to your authentic self, life is easier. So I have a quote that says, when you get connected to your life's flow, everything is easier. When you're being authentically, truly who you are. It's when we try to be something we're not, to prove something to someone else, to get a promotion to whatever it is, that's when you're getting all stressed out because you're not in congruence with who you are. You're out of flow. So like I said, incorporated in everything we do. And I tell people, you don't take the passion test just once and never again. It's a journey of gaining clarity. And so you do it over and over again until it begins to be the same. And even then we still do it to make sure <laughs> because we're also evolving, right? We're evolving, we're learning and things change in our life. No, and I, I appreciate your explanation of it for so many reasons. One, we talk about, and Rachel, I don't know where you put this idea in my head, but the infinity symbol and how it's just like, I feel like our lessons that we learn, we're just learning them at depth. Like they kind of just don't go away. So I love that you, you called attention to the fact that one, you got to dig down quite a bit to be able to get to that true essence. Two, it's always changing and we're always evolving. So it doesn't stop. There's no like, I did it. I know my passion and I'm going to live it for the rest of my life. I mean, maybe, maybe some things stick around your entire lifetime, but that shouldn't be the assumption. So I just, I love that. And yeah, I'm a pause there. Cause Rachel, I feel like you have, you have some things to say, but thank you for highlighting those in your process. I, I actually had just a question, which was everything that you said, I was just like, oh, this is just, it's landing for so many reasons because um, I do think sometimes we can really outsource our um, who we are to a test. And so, but what I loved about what you said is that you acknowledge that there is a part of that too. Like, you know, take the test and also, you know, it's the intrinsic piece that's also there too. Like the inner, the inner reflection work that um, also needs to be coupled with it or the invitation is there to, to have it be coupled. And I really appreciated that um, because I've wrestled with, with that a lot when I think about, you know, Enneagram or the uh, Myers-Briggs, like all of them, um, you know, how do they fit into a conversation where I'm saying, you know, throw out the boxes and, and what's possible. And, and sometimes you need, you do need both to kind of like bump off of each other a little bit. Well, I feel like it gives you language. Yeah. Like those tests give you language and ideas and 
I feel like I'm using all your words right now, Rachel, but like you get to try stuff on. It's like, here, they gave me this word. I'm putting this hat on. I'm putting this shirt on. Do I like it? And the problem is a lot of us, we just put the shirt on and we're like, okay, someone handed this me this shirt. This is what it says I am. I guess I just keep it on. And it goes back to discernment and all those thrive concepts and the things that we've been focusing on. But it's like, no, you can try it on and then actually decide if it's for you. But a lot of times people, when you start to do this work, I mean, I know me, it's like, I didn't have any language or tools or anything. So I needed some sort of like structure or um, ideas to be able to run with. And then like the more I did it, you start to be able to get more granular and into the details and you start to have that level of discernment that where you're not just like taking what the test hands you, but you're like, okay, no, that is me. That's actually not me, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to try that on. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, I see it as like, um, opening up the, the focus point, the focal point, like really expanding, um, in order to allow in more information besides just the one input, because even for me, it's like, if I take the test one day versus another, there's a lot of influence or yeah, influence that I'm bringing from, from my life, from, um, what I've eaten, if I've slept, <laughs> if I'm pissed off at somebody, you know, like there's a lot of those influences that the test can't necessarily like say, like now note to yourself that you had a really hard week, you know? And so, um, I, I think what, you, what I hear is like, it's a starting place and, and then the, the ability to open it up and bring in other factors is is a very important part of honestly any process. Taking a quick break, we have a favor to ask you all. Rachel and I are really looking to grow the True North Collective podcast this year and we could use your help. If you haven't already, we would very much appreciate if you could leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I know it sounds easy and simple, but it actually really helps to get the word out. We would also love it if you're enjoying this episode and think that there might be someone else in your life that could connect with the content, share it with them, introduce them to the True North Collective, invite them to one of our free community events. We are always welcoming new humans that are fearlessly finding their True North to come join us to explore and to have that safe space to practice being human with us. We would really, really appreciate it. All right, let's jump back in. So, so I feel like I've been having a lot of interactions lately with um, people in my life who we have differences of opinion and points of view and um, that process of being able to like focus in and like hear what is being said, but then expand out and hear more of what's not being said and bringing that into it and then diving back in and coming back out. Um which is a different, is part of the infinity too, um, letting it dance. So it's funny because you use, use the analogy of the t-shirt and trying it on. And every time I take people through the passion test for the first time, I say, okay, now you're, you don't do this just once. We're going to do it. We're going to find your top five passions. And then you're going to kind of test drive it. You're going to try it on. You're going to work with it for a while and see if it feels good. Because what we say in the passion test is the key to living a passionate life is whenever you are faced with a choice, a decision, or an opportunity, consistently choose in favor of your passions. And so you have to know what they are, and then you start to consciously choose. This is the key. 
consciously choosing how I run my day, my life, my, you know, based on those five values or passions and getting into that mode of being able to do that and that everything I choose to do is alignment with those. Well, then you try it on and go, is this the truth? Does it feel good? Does it feel like when I make these decisions in alignment with the five things I came up with, is it feel good? Do I feel better? Do I feel in flow? And if not, then we do it again, right? Because it's a journey into you and really understanding self and what's most important to you, right? That's what passion is. Those things that are most important to you to have in your life, to do in your life, to be in your life. Um, and so, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. It's a foundation by which, and I want to I want to emphasize too, it's not a test. Sometimes I feel like those other tests, you know, can sway you, like depending on the way that they're written, right? And again, depending on my mood that day. <laughs> well, I find that different when you really dive into the passion test that people really can hone down. Sometimes they start superficially. Another great story. Uh, I was working with a bunch of women from that are volunteers at our local battered women's shelter. And I really wanted to get into the women's shelter and give them this uplifting tool of identifying their passions. And the volunteers were like, eh, let's see, Let, let's try it first. So they were going to go through it first. Well, then I found out, realized during the workshop that the women that are volunteers at a battered women's shelter have all been in a violent situation. That's why they're volunteers. That's why they know about it, you know, because it's a hidden element in our community anywhere where nobody knows where it's located kind of thing. Anyway, and I'm taking this through, you know, empowering them to live their dreams and think big and you can have whatever you want. And this woman had written on her sheet about um, having a home. And I'm like, you know, it's bigger than the materialistic things. And she looked up at me with tears in her eyes and she's like, I just want to have a home again where my children are safe, where I am safe. I want to stop living out of a car in a hotel room. And I'm like, oh. back off, Luann, you know, back off. I have no, thank God, ever had to be in her shoes and, and experience that. And realized that, you know, you might start there. You might start there with things like that before you get really into the deeper things of, of, finding joy and um, living in the moment and those kinds of conversations, you know, that are deeper. And so this is a journey of continuing to find that deeper self when we work through the passion test process. I would be so curious if you chatted with her like down the road again, um, if that home, I mean, the essence of that, has a lot of depth to it. I mean, I would say for myself, like the idea of having a home base, a place where I have the community and the, a place that feels like mine is like, is so deep. And so I'd be curious how her language has maybe evolved, but how that there's still dotted lines that it, it actually is like grounded in a very similar place. This is a powerful, uh, testimonial for the work. This was um, in that moment when that woman was sitting before me, the next step that we take is now that this home 
the essence of home um, is what she needed, we go deeper and we describe it, right? And I tell people, vividly describe it. So this goes to visualization to manifest what you want, but we visit, write it down exactly. What does that house look like? And I, and I remember it, right? It had needed to have a picture in a bay window over the sink in the kitchen so she could look out over her gardens while she was cooking and she loved to cook and all of that and grow her own things. And she had a farm before the violence happened in her life. Anyway, it, in that moment, she absolutely had no faith that that was ever gonna happen. Like that was way far away that she could ever have that. She's living out of her car, you know? Six months later, she called me up and she said, Luann, I have it, I have it. It's in a small little town outside of Rochester, Minnesota. And it has that window over the kitchen sink and it was everything she envisioned. And it's so beautiful. And this is what happens for people when they really own this. And that was another thing I was gonna mention about trying things on, you know, part of our journey is that we fail to own it, right? We see it in a glimpse in a moment and we go, oh, that's cool. And then we fall back into old patterns, right? And we don't really own it. And so I think the journey in our life is really the more that we own it and we own it in little bits and pieces. <laughs> Reminds me of another story. I had a gentleman who used to do this poem in our networking event as, as his introduction of himself in the world. And, and I never really got it. And he handed it out on a business card or on a index card one time. And I found it after he passed away. It was the bookmark for my passion test book. And everything on this poem was the essence of the passion test process. And I'm like, I never heard that when he said it. Never heard it then. You know, these things are happening around us and we're not absorbing it, right? And once in a while you'll go, oh, that's it. But like, I've heard it 10 million times before, but now I finally get it. And so it's that ownership and really stepping into it that takes our whole life journey. And you gotta be okay with that too. As we talk about this, you gotta be okay with that journey and not be in a rush. We live in a world of instant gratification and we want it all right now, right? So I'm driving home from Fairfield, Iowa. It's a meditation community, right? Uh, and uh, I had been attending a week-long personal development event down in Iowa and five hours back to Rochester. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, you just spent another how many thousands of dollars <laughs> down in Iowa? Did you finally get it? Like, are you enlightened? You got this thing yet, Luann? Come on. And I literally started laughing out loud at myself. This love voice is in my head, right? It's going, wait a minute, Luann. The moment that you reach enlightenment, you're leaving this planet. <laughs> so what are you in such a rush for? It was the moment that I realized that part of my life's journey is personal development. And I will always be on a search for the next thing and to go deeper. That's just what my life is about. Ooh, and this one's fun too. Then I was at yet another event. <laughs> this woman said to me, I was getting kind of annoyed. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard all this before, you know? And she's like, oh, wait a minute, Luann. Perhaps your job in the lineage of your 
your life, your families in all of this is to do the healing and the development work for everyone in your line. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I like that. So she's like, yes, keep doing this work. You're healing more than just yourself. Oh, wow. There, and I don't know if this is what you were like saying, but what I heard was every single time I need to rehear something, it might be for some someone in my lineage or someone in my vicinity. And so allow myself to be that vessel to hear it one more time for whoever needs to hear it through me. Right. It is super powerful. And I have to say, like, I think that you and I are kindred spirits because everything is, I'm like, I used to say, I like when the, when I figured it out, I will die. Like, I'm just like, kind of my, I'm going to just be quiet because I'm like, oh my gosh, I think, yes, you're amazing. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Yeah. I, that when you're talking about the, the own it part and like really owning it, um, what was coming up for me just from my own journey is it's like knowing that you have the self-worth to that you deserve those things. And I know deserve is like kind of a wonky word that people are like, well, we don't really deserve anything, right? No one owes us anything, but it's like almost like we owe ourselves something. Like we owe ourselves the opportunity to show up and go after the things we want. So that was just coming up for me because I think when people have been like own it or they, they envision that house that they're so far away from, like a lot of times in that gap, or for me, what's been in that gap is not in my core thinking that I am deserving of whatever it is, materialistic or otherwise, and getting past those roadblocks and and breaking down those old belief patterns that I can't have what I want because I don't know, society told me, because I told me, because someone in my life told me, I'm not, you know, I'm sure it comes from many, many sources. but really owning that you can have it and you deserve to be able to go after the things you want in life. So we always say what holds you back is false beliefs, false concepts, and false ideas. False beliefs, false concepts, and false ideas. And that you should question everything that you think, (laughs) right? Question those thoughts in your head. Like I'm, And that I'm not worthy is a common one, right? Common one that people walk around with. And uh, again, where that all came from, but we all have it, including me, right? And it's it's not gonna go away. I'm sorry. It's It's a constant conscious battle, if you will, but it's to be conscious about it rather than to let it control you in the background, right? It's to consciously say, wait a minute, Oh, I'll give you a perfect example. I know in my head, I used to say, I'm just fat, dumb, and stupid. You know, uh, fat, dumb, and happy, not stupid. Fat, dumb, and happy. And I'm okay with that. What am I telling myself for Pete's sake? Sorry about that bang on the table. Probably wasn't good on the sound. <laughs> what am I telling myself, right? And so I turned that around and going, and there's a movie, I'm going to forget the name of it, where this little girl is told this, over and over again, right? You are smart, you are beautiful, you are kind. Oh, right? And telling yourselves those positive things that we all are, and I am worthy. 
And the I am statement is the most powerful statement. So I have had practices in the past where I literally created a positive word out of every letter of the alphabet and went, I am amazing. I am beautiful. I am courageous. I am just going through the alphabet. I love it. Right? And so that I remind myself that beautiful, beautiful. But then, you know, there's so many tools, which is another thing I wanted to make sure and get into this conversation. As I became a part of the Transformational Leadership Council and learning from transformational leaders from all over the world, which is where I found the passion test and being a part of that organization, um, I, I all of a sudden got to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's so many tools. There's so many things. How do I do them all? How do I know the Enneagram and know, you know, all of it, you know, they're like, ah, and they're like, no, 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 Joe Vitale. Do you know that name? Joe Vitale did. He put them all up on a whiteboard and he's like, visualize this massive chaos of all the different things we can do. And he's like, and he started erasing it. And he's like, pick one, pick one thing that works for you and just do that and do that well and serve others with it. Well, there you go. He stepped into the passion test process, uh, which again, not a test process that I take people through to help them dive deep. And, and I did that because I want to live the philosophy myself. And when I teach other people a philosophy, I learn it and ingrain it in my own life. And like we talked about earlier, right? Messages come through to me again. And I go, oh, yep, that one was for me. I needed that reminder. How about you guys? Do you get it? <laughs> So that's why I teach it because I want to live it in my life and it helps me to live in joy, which I firmly, that word has come up more and more uh, in my life that I'm really owning that I am here to bring joy to other people and through my work. The owning of like, there's all these things you can possibly do and you're owning the passion, the passion piece of that. Um, that's, that's really resonating with me as I'm continuing to learn so much about coaching and there's so many different directions you can go. And, and again, it's like, there is a skills-based component to, to the coaching, even though the coaching itself is not. Um, and I often think like, you know, people come with the level of resourcefulness that, that they're in and we hold a space for them to expand that. And at a certain point, like having, having something to practice that they haven't considered before is really, really, um, it almost doesn't really matter what it is. It's just something to start the journey. Um, and I've often thought to myself, like, what would that be? So I appreciated that, um, ability to put the owning it on even just like what you are bringing to your, your niche, I guess. Um, I do have a question and I know we're kind of getting close to time, but would you delineate between passions and values or would you say that they're synonymous? So we say that passions are more active based. They're more action based. They're not passive. A lot of times people uh, have gotten to the point with values where they use a single word like integrity, professionalism, honesty. Gosh, I hope we're all that. <laughs> right? And what do those words mean to you? And how do you apply them in your life? And so um, my passion, I'll tell you what my top five are, right? Uh, when my life is ideal, I am in loving, supportive relationships. 
When my life is ideal, I am supporting, uh, excuse me, I'm inspiring others. When my life is ideal, I'm traveling uh, the world and speaking. When my life is ideal, I live in the northern woods of Minnesota. You know, these are the short phrases, action-based of how I'm being, doing in the world, not just a word. I was just going to say, I love it too, because I think it, it really bridges the gap between where people can get stuck in like purpose. What's my pr- one purpose? And I need it in it. And I'll speak for my, and then values, which you're absolutely right. They kind of become these like words that I like, I do, I can hearken back to, but where is the action behind it or the way that I can make it really feel like mine. And so I, I love, I love this, um, take, it feels like it takes both into consideration. So sometimes I use a tagline, aligning your actions with your values is really what we're doing. And, and yes, people, it, it, like in a business plan, people are taught to write their mission, vision, values in their, for their business. So great, they write it in this 40 page business plan, but then they never use it, right? So I take this work into companies and do this work in companies to make joyful workplaces where people are passionate about what they do. They know the passion of the owner, the company, and we align them with that. So everybody is excited about where they're going from a space in their heart of what they're passionate about, not just collecting a paycheck from somebody else. So 100%. (laughs) So I know I'm also being very aware of time, but I, I would love, Luann, is there a question or two for anyone who's listening and they want to do your retreat or they want to connect with you, but you know, COVID and things like, is there one question that they can ask themselves or maybe to today to start this process for themselves? So I think the question could be, am I living in joy? Do I really love what I'm doing? You know, cause if they're struggling in any way, they're unhappy with their place in life. Um, their job, their work, you know, then I would love for them to reach out to me. So that's your asking yourself, am I happy? Am I really happy? Do I feel in alignment with who I am? Those are great questions. Um, And I shared with you guys a link where I will do a complimentary session with anyone who's listening and dive deeper into that very question with them to see if the tools that I have or one of my adventures are a good fit for them, you know? Um, I, I keep, I've been thinking leading up to this interview, how much the True North Collective and my love of the Boundary Waters are in alignment, right? And that your audience may very much be in alignment with that trip. Um, so they can look that up at Transformational Trek. That's not plural, Trek is T-R-E-K, transformationaltrek.com to learn more about those trips. Um, but jump on a complimentary session and I'll tell you about those trips, right? It, it, this complimentary session is for whatever you want. You have a business and what I said about business piqued your interest. Let's get on the phone and talk about it, right? Individually, or you want to uh, take advantage of one of the retreats or have questions. Lots of you have questions about the Boundary Waters trip because they go, can I do it? Now you young ladies going, oh, I'm in. <laughs> but there's others I'm that go in. Oh, can I do it? And uh, I like to remind people that it's this is not Boundary Water Survivor. It is not a reality television show. No, this is about women coming together and supporting women on a journey into a beautiful spiritual place 
and we go at the pace of the women who are with us, right? And their abilities and their skill sets, and we just keep them safe because we're experienced in that area. We know the the wilderness well. We call my sister your wilderness guide, and I am your spiritual guide during the journey. <laughs> love, love, love. So, Luann, in one word, how would you describe your true north today? It's living in joy. It's joy. And I just want to remind people, I'm still working to own that, right? I'm still worrying to own that. I remember it wasn't that long ago. I was at a yet another personal development event. <laughs> and my mentor, Dr. Sue Mortar, uh, called on me. And I don't even remember the other part of the conversation. The only thing I remember is she said, Luann, you're just a little bubble of joy in this world. And you're the last one to know. <laughs> and I'm like totally true. And I'm still trying to own it. So it is a journey. I'm almost 60, right? You guys, 39 is what I heard roughly. Um, it's a journey. It's an ongoing journey of life. And, and there is no uh, quote unquote end point where you're going to, those clouds are going to open up and go, oh, you know, <laughs> when you get there, that's a whole nother plant, a whole nother, you know, level. So so don't be striving to find something so hard that you miss the joy in every day. Live the joy in every day. See the little joy in the moments. This has been such a great conversation and a rewarding conversation. And I'm so glad that we got introduced to you. And please, I'm so signed up for this retreat when it's safe to do retreats again. Like I am in the Northern woods reconnecting to my passion. So please like keep us posted. Cause I, I will show up for that. Totally, totally will. And you know, there, we have so much conversation, you know, I'd love to come back another time. <laughs> please. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So much absolutely. Great. Yeah. This is so life giving. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> this has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at thetruenorthcollective.org to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time. <laughs>